I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group, and I'm here at the HIM Cyber Forum in Boston speaking with Barbie Mooneyhand, who is Vice President of Security, IT, and Privacy at Wobot Health, an AI powered mental health application. Hi, Barbie. Hello. So, Barbie, for starters, for those who are not familiar with Wobot Health, please briefly describe what the company provides in terms of mental health services and what does it mean for the company's services to be AI-driven? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Thank you. Uh, so, Wobot Health at its core is a uh, mental health ally and chatbot form. Um, and so what we do is we take a natural language processor and we pair it with curated content with clinical over, with the clinical oversight. And that engages an experience with uh, patients and with users uh, that allows them to be able to have someone to, to have conversations with uh, and to be able to go through some of those methods to, for improvement of, mental, of their mental health, uh, whether it be at 2 a.m. Uh, or if it's at 4, 4 p.m. Um, so it's just a, it's a always there uh, mental health ally in, in your pocket. So with that said, what steps is Wobot Health taking to protect individuals' privacy and security? And how does AI change that in terms of the risks? I think that's a really good question because we are AI-based. So uh, there is the natural language processor, but we are incredibly thoughtful in what methods that we take when it comes to how we utilize AI. Uh, first and foremost is when we select our vendors, the vendors have to be a very specific relationship. Um, our contracts are very thoroughly looked over. We make sure that um, from a partnership perspective, uh, we know exactly where our data is, where it's going to go, how it's going to be used, um, and then we also know that internally. And so we move through the process of, of architecting our infrastructure um, and architecting our AI services uh, so that the user experience is sound, but also uh, we're able to control each element of it. Uh, so we don't have outputs that we don't know what they are. Um, and from a, a secure, for, from a privacy perspective, what you say to Wobot is what you say to Wobot. It is considered to be a, a privileged conversation. And so while, yes, there are some you know, indicators that we utilize to make sure that the experience is appropriate for the user, there's also a lot of things that go into place that prevent the exposure of that information, that, like what we call transcripts. We have a lot of con conversations internally about transcripts and the appropriate usage of them and the appropriate, uh, like who can view them and who can't. And so we do uh, have like least privileged, um, we have role-based access, uh, and the user data is actually in a separate environment than all the other environments uh, so that we can keep good deep controls on the user's information uh, while also being able to run the application appropriately and it really reduces the attack potential uh, on, on user information. Um, and then we are very, very uh, protective of the conversations themselves. So now you're using AI uh, in your mental health sorts of services. But what other sorts of emerging use cases are you seeing or hearing most about right now when it involves generative AI in healthcare in terms of promising sorts of applications that you think you know, could benefit patients and maybe the healthcare providers themselves that you know, have to be weighed against whatever the risks are? 
Um, first, I just want to cover that uh, Wobot currently uh, does not perform generative AI. Like I said, it is strictly uh, curated content that is, is served back uh, depending on the our natural language processor. Uh, so we do actually, we've, we've just released our first study on generative AI and, and uh, the, the fantastic work that's being done there. But we just have so much testing to make sure that what we're doing is going to make sense, um, especially with the, with the conversation that's very prevalent to the, to the industry right now. And so some of those components, I guess, for the future state of uh, pot- potentially potential use cases um, would be anything, right? We just talked on stage about using it to be able to take physician notes, using it to be able to create where your imagery could be in three months. So if you have a disease and then you do generative imaging to, to, for where it's going to be in three months. And so there's a, there's the, the use cases are endless. Uh, we could really just insert it into so many different operations um, and anything that you can do five times you could probably automate and if you can automate it you could probably automate it with with a generative text component and the use cases are are endless however i do think it's incredibly important like i said before uh, that we can't just implement into healthcare because we're working with patients lives and i think that's an important thing to consider in all of this is that we have to we have to have good guardrails. We have to understand what it's doing. We have to understand the outputs. We have to verify and test the outputs. Um, and we have a lot We have a lot of testing to do in, in, in the environment before um, major, major changes can, can be made. And in terms of the good and the bad for generative AI in healthcare, when it comes to data security, privacy, and potential breaches, looking ahead, what do you see? Well, I think I kind of covered that a little bit already. There's obviously amazing things that we can do with it. It's an innovative fast forward for us. I mean, November hit, we got a new, much improved abilities. uh, And then just seeing the environment go wild since then, everybody trying to get the front of the line and trying to figure out how to use generative AI. So there's a lot of good that can that can happen but there's like you said there's there's also a lot of bad and so one of the things that we we try to keep in mind so there's different pieces there's outside threats and then there's the potential of insider threats Um, and insider threats is doesn't have to be malicious it can be completely unintentional Um, so we have to make sure that in the long run the, the security privacy components of it is well-defined, so those insider threats, you have good policies in place, and then you're able to identify, like, if you're training the, the awareness of everything, if you're training them appropriately, um, and you're training your workforce appropriately, and you have good policies in place, and you're saying, these are the things that you can do, these are the things that you can't do, and this is how you appropriately use it in our environment, um, we do reduce the risks around security and privacy. A big piece of it is privacy, right? We don't want to put our business intelligent information, we don't want to put our PII or PHI 
into these and then we have a privacy implication, but we also want to be able to, to support the innovations. So a lot of it is just being prepared for it and being able to address it appropriately as it comes up and to proactively understand what the what the potential ramifications are and training our workforce for it. So those are the, some of the guardrails. Yeah. Finally, what is your top security and privacy advice for healthcare entities deploying generative AI efforts in their organizations right now? Anything that you haven't mentioned that you think is important for them to consider? Oh, absolutely. Um, again, most important is we have to understand it first. We have to test it. We have to validate it. We have to understand it. Without that, we could be potentially putting things into place that we don't know what's going to happen because we don't understand the technology just yet, and we are still understanding it. But I do think that we have protective controls. If you're thinking through um, the, the protective controls, it's going to be making sure that you don't really have the, te the text going out to a user without a clearance area. So whether or not you never have the user talk to AI, or if you have um, just a buffer in there that has a validation verification, that has those good check marks in place, um, and it will stop the prompt before it goes back out. Being able to implement those, and, and again, testing them to make sure that they work appropriately, is, is going to be a big difference between putting generative AI into place uh, that could potentially harm uh, versus putting AI into place uh, that has those safeguards and, and guardrails already in place. Well, thank you, Barbie. I've been speaking to Barbie Mooneyhan, and I'm Marianne Kopasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.